0: Children have a way of saying things that are both brutally honest and asking questions that are brutally courageous. Well, such is the story of my guest, Lauren Nelson, whose daughter's brutally courageous question became a game changer for her. And because Lauren is another fierce warrior, full of faith and determined to follow the Lord's leading in her life, her daughter's question became the seed of her obedience to the Lord and the legacy she could leave for her children, generations, and the nations to come. Let's jump into this episode, it's a good one. Hi, and you're listening to Java with Jen with your host, Jenilee Samuel. Thank you guys so much for joining me again at Java with Jen I have enjoyed season three it's been awesome we've had some powerful episodes and I'm really pumped today's episode I'm very excited about I met today's guest Uh, Browsing Facebook, actually, and she had made a post that grabbed my attention, hearing about something her daughter said to her that became the spinoff that God used to turn her into an author. And so today she's going to share that story with you, and I believe it's really going to speak to the hearts of you women, especially any of you women who have felt called to ministry or felt that there wasn't quite room for you in the church or in any particular setting because of your gender. Well, we're gonna tackle that, but in a totally God-based, beautiful way today. Lauren Nelson is a mother of two, And the wife of a pastor, she has over 20 years of ministry experience with children, teens, and adults. Lauren wrote a children's book that was recently published entitled She Rose of the Bible, which tells the story of 26 heroic women from the Bible who pushed past their fears and watched God do miraculous things because of their faith. Her book will be officially released to bookstores in December of this year although you can purchase it now on her website. So go do that and get ahead of the rush. And Lauren loves to inspire young and old with stories of courageous faith that overcome fear. You guys, this is why me and Lauren get along already. (laughs) (laughs) Lauren, thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, Jen. This is wonderful. I know, it's such a wonderful surprise to meet you and you were so willing to just meet kind of last minute. I just
1: asked you a few days ago to be on the show and you were just ready for me. I love it. Well, I'm excited. I'm ready to, I'm ready to share and talk with your audience and talk with you. So you've been a wonderful person to work with. Oh, good. Well, thank you so much for joining me too. Um,
0: Okay. So you, just a little backstory, you have, you and your husband have been in ministry for 20 years, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, we have. So um, in various ways, we did youth ministry for a lot of years. And then we also, my husband was the associate pastor of a church for about five years. And then we planted a church together. Um, in the last three years. So basically a a year of that has been COVID. So it's been interesting.
0: (laughs) So I noticed in your bio, you said the wife of a pastor, but you're a pastor too. Um, Absolutely.
1: Okay. You know, and as soon as you read that, I thought, gosh, you know, cause that's what was on my book. But in reality, I really like to say we, we planted a church together. We pastor a church. Cause we do it's, it's a team effort. <laughs> I'm mean, the mother of the house. I mean, we need, we need dad and mom in that house. That's right? exactly right. <laughs> it's so true. And I do, I get to preach. Um, I get to preach whenever I feel like I want to, I feel like the Lord's put something on my heart. My husband's like, yes, go for it. So he preaches, I preach, we have an executive. Pastor at our church that's a woman as well. And she's incredible, another mama in the house. So, so great. I love it. Yeah, it's awesome. You've
0: got a real voice into this. So, I know some of my audience, I'm sure, are women who are in ministry, feel called to ministry, or just, you know, want to do the work of God, you know, whether that's in the church or at home or in the workplace or whatever. But I feel like, I feel like women have so much untapped fierceness, ferocity. I don't know what that word would be for serving the Lord. And I feel like, well, we just have a lot to jump into, but what caught my eye on your post, which is what I want you to start with is something your daughter said that was the kickoff for all of this. So go ahead and let's start with that.
1: Yeah, so I was driving in the car with my daughter and my son, they were in the back seat. We were actually on our way to church. And uh, my daughter who was seven at the time when she asked the question was like, mom, can I ask you a question? why are boys more important than girls? I was completely thrown back. I mean, I couldn't believe that she asked me that. And I said, why, why would you ask me that? And she said, well, mom, it just seems like God thinks that boys are more important than girls because all we learn about in church are boys. Wow. That was such a profound statement for a seven-year-old and it really struck me. And one of the things that we were learning about in our church, this was back when my husband was the associate pastor at a church. Um, One of the things that we were learning there was that to pay attention to those moments when God speaks to you or, or, um, catches your attention. And it was called a Kairos moment, right? Mm -hmm. It's that time when God just intervenes and speaks to your heart, that there's something that you're supposed to pay attention to. Mm -hmm. So that was my Kairos moment where I was, I was like, hold on, there's something to this. So we were learning, what is God saying to you? That's that Kairos moment. And what are you going to do about it? So I knew I needed to do something to answer her question because it struck me in my heart so so heavily, Um, and I had asked her, you know well but haven't you heard about Ruth and Esther and because I know we've talked about it, she said yes mom I've, I've heard of them, but we don't talk about them a whole lot in church every week it's about boys. So I went home and I thought, okay, I need to answer my daughter's questions. So what do we do when we need a book and we have a question? We Google it. And so that's what I did. I Googled, um, you know, women of the Bible, children's books about women of the Bible. And at the time, two books came up and both of them were princesses Mm -hmm. and, you know, talked about them being more meek and mild and, you know, quiet mannered. And then also the illustrations were all caucasian and I thought you know this isn't accurate this isn't this is not accurate in any way but it also doesn't it's not very inclusive for people all over the world that are going to get could get a hold of this book like I I wanted kids to be able to see themselves in these images and say oh if she could do that I want to I want to do that too. So for me I wanted my daughter to know about the heroic women of the bible which you can be heroic in many ways, right? We think of heroicism as being, you know, on the battlefield, which there's some of that in the Bible with women, which is really cool. But then there's also just any ways that you can face your fears and you're conquering your fears through trusting God, that's heroic. Whatever your your fears are, that's heroic. And so I didn't find anything like that. And I had read the Bible before. I loved the stories of these women. And I thought, Why am I not finding any books that are really tapping into this amazing courage that these women had? And so I began to retell those stories to my daughter in my own way, in a creative way. And she loved the stories that I had told her. And so I started to realize, I think there's other kids in this world that probably have the same question, whether they can articulate it well, or maybe they haven't articulated that, or they haven't quite thought that through somehow we as a church are giving this impression that women are not as important because we're just not talking about them. But the Lord does not feel that way because the women are all throughout the Bible. We just haven't chose to highlight them. And there's incredible men's stories. We need to talk about those awesome men in the Bible, like David and, and all these amazing men. From the bible paul um but there's some amazing women and we just need to be able to tap into both of those so i wrote my children's book um and entitled that she rose of the bible because they're the women heroes yeah. and um my book has 20 20 stories uh 26 women um that did courageous things and watched God do miracles in their lives because they trusted him with their lives. So that's what I, that's the role model that I wanted for my daughter. That's the role model, these biblical role models that I wanted for girls growing up to be able to see these women and go, I can be bold and courageous. Mm -hmm. My daughter wasn't really into princesses. I wasn't really either when I was a kid and I was loud and my daughter was loud and she was bold and she was, you know, um, she wasn't meek and mild and quiet and God can use the meek and mild and quiet, but he can also use the loud Mm -hmm. and the, and the proud and the bold. And so, um, I just wanted kids to be able to see themselves, however, God created them that they could be used by him. If in a moment, they just say, I trust you.
0: That's so good. My fears. That's so good. I just love that. First of all, I want to say thank you for as a mother, seeing an opportunity and not just a question that stumped you because it's easy for us to just be like, "Hmm, I don't know, you know, and not really providing a solution. But there was destiny in your daughter's question. There absolutely yeah. was. And I feel like God put in her mouth the question that so many girls have felt. I remember with our college ministry when the few times that I preached, I remember it surprising me how wild the girls would go. Yeah, you know, and uh, and I was like, okay, a I'm gonna preach way longer than I need to, so I don't know what to are hearing <laughs> about, you know. But b I was still learning how to preach, so I wasn't actually that great, you know. My husband's a great preacher, and but it always it always struck me how they would cheerlead me, and it 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 hit me later. I was like, they're cheerleading me because I'm championing them by stepping out. Yes, you know what I mean I'm making room for them. I'm paving a way for them, like like Lisa Bevere and Beth Moore have, you know, for so many of us, Joyce Myers. And so it was, it kind of opened my eyes to like how, and I don't want to like dramatize, you know, oh, women are this poor little segment of society. I feel like our culture tries to victimize people way too much. Um, But just the facts are the facts that in most cultures, women haven't had the same quiet opportunities and in the church it has been and a lot of times for scriptures that have been you know unfortunately misunderstood throughout history um, of women being quiet in the church and I just love that your daughter was brave enough to ask the question so bluntly of like why does God like boys better? Well me too <laughs> you know it's like I'm, I'm so, so glad, glad. that because we've all maybe wondered that at times <laughs> yeah on to my next question how do you see the women in these stories? that you shared overcoming limitations that they felt culturally in order to still make an impact, how do you see that overcoming spirit
1: in them? And I know there's a lot of women. So maybe just pick your favorite, but oh yeah, definitely. Because um, th- you could literally go through all 26, and I could passionately tell you about all of them, but obviously <laughs> I won't.
0: Um, <laughs> well, there's common denominators about yeah.
1: So the common denominators, absolutely. Well, first of all, the most obvious common denominator, common denominator for every single one of them, is that they are a woman, mm-hmm. and so um, being a woman back. You know, in that culture and in that time, um, it was already a limitation in and of itself because they were more like property. Sometimes they were treated even worse than animals. And so it was not a great, um, great experience for women at that time. They were not empowered in any way, shape or form. And so for them to be, even in the Bible just shows how God is saying, that's not my heart. That is what the culture had put on, on these women, but that's not the Lord's heart because he, he names their names. He's, he speaks of them as children of God. And, um, And I love that about them. The other common denominator is that they all dealt with their own personal fears. Mm -hmm. So each and every one of these women, all 26 that I talk about, there is something that is a limitation in their life um, of fear. And, um, and it looks very different for each one of them. Um, you know, I have a few examples, Shifra and Pua. Um, I had never heard of them. Some of you maybe have heard of them, but I had never heard of them um, before I started researching for the book, but they are actually my first story in the book. They're found in the book of Exodus and they are midwives in Egypt and yeah. And they, they saved the lives of a newborn, a baby, Israelite babies israelite baby boys and so they um they had been told by the pharaoh that they are supposed to kill every single newborn baby boy that's um in an israelite and they said they feared god more than they feared their, for their own lives and they said absolutely not they didn't tell him that they were really wise in how they did it and kind of, you know, somewhat deceitful in a good way because they were able to save lives. And so they, they were, so they saved the lives of all these. They made sure that there were healthy babies born, um, despite the fear of, of what they could have experienced their own death. Yeah. And because of what they did, Moses was able to be born um, and he came and was the deliverer of, of Israel from the power of the Egyptians. And so um, those of you that have maybe heard of the Red Sea being parted, that was Moses that that God used to do that. So if it had not been for Shifra and Pua, Moses would not have been alive. He would have been killed. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we have Deborah and, uh, and JL, those are more like the warrior type women when you think of heroic, right? Um, Deborah was a prophetess and a judge in Israel, but she had not led a battle before. And the general of the Israelite army knew that they were going to be defeated he was terrified this general was terrified and he said i am not going into battle unless you deborah go with us and so she pushed back her own fear and said okay let's do this i'm going but god's going to put this going to give this uh into the hands of a woman the woman is going to win this battle because because you wanted to trust the lord she goes we're trusting god he said to go we're going to go no matter what, no matter how afraid we are. Um, and JL was the one who ended up actually killing the bad guys. So. Which that's a gory, awesome story, by the way. It's so awesome. Do you know what? That is the first story I taught my daughter and I thought I would traumatize her forever. And she loved it. Yes, she she loved it.
0: Okay. So, so for the listeners that are not familiar with JL, give them a summary of JL's
1: story. Quick summary is she basically uh, was a t- lived in a tent um, outside of Right outside of where the war was happening between Israel, and um, and I'm blanking on the people they were fighting against because there's lots of enemies and throughout the Bible that they're fighting against. But, Still is. um, basically she, uh, the the king of this other of the of the wicked people was running away you know trying to find a place to hide because he was scared Mm -hmm. because deborah was doing awesome out on the battlefield and and she pretends like she's on his side and she goes oh come hide in here hide in my tent and she says you know oh i'll give you milk and you could take a nap and and so he said okay and he goes to sleep and when he's sleeping she takes a tent peg and she slams it into his head and kills him (laughs) So it is, it's very graphic in my book. I make it a little bit, you know, lighter, you know, we don't go into all those details because it's a children's book, but, um, but I mean, it is, she had, to, she had to have some serious strength to even oh, do yeah. it. Like, right. Either strength or a big rock, you know, <laughs> like, right. A big rock on top of top of that pe- tent peg and was, you know, nailing it in. But yeah, it's pretty intense. But she, you know, she saved the day, man. I mean, without her and Deborah, because of them, they experienced freedom for years and years um, after that. Um and then just, you know, even I want to briefly say even Hannah in the Old Testament right now, we're just, these are just the Old Testament gals, but Hannah, she demonstrates a different type of heroism because she was longing to be a mother and, um, and she was being made fun of and tormented by the women in her life for not being able to have kids. And so she told the Lord, Hey, if you will give me a son, I will give him back to you. And I will sacrifice, you know, sacrifice, not in like a, a creepy way, but sacrifice, like I'm going to hand him, you know, back to you, Lord, and trust him to you and give him to the temple to be raised by the priests in, in the, in the Lord's presence. And so God honored her prayer. She became pregnant and she got to nurse her son and, and, and he was, you know, she had him through his toddler years. So imagine that bond and that love that you have. I mean, my son, I love him so much. I mean, those toddler years, there's such that, that, that tenderness there. And then to be, and then to take him and say, I got to honor what I said I would do. And she took him to the temple and gave him there and there he was raised and became a prophet for the lord his name was samuel and he led everybody he led israel back to god when they were really turning their hearts away from from the lord and if she had not done that if she had not trusted him with that fear of not having children that fear of being alone she had not trusted god with that then israel would have experienced a very different future and because she trusted the lord he gave her five more children so when we are your trusting God with the things that are the most precious to us, there's something beautiful on the other side. And he fulfills those desires of our hearts. So true. I, you know, there's two other women. I just want to briefly say, just because it's the new Testament, but there's, I want to tell you guys, there's so many women in the new Testament and people don't realize that, but, um, I want to just share briefly about Mary Magdalene. She was another gal who um, was really tormented by the enemy and experienced a lot of, um, demonic oppression, whatever that looks like. It could have been physical. We know it was spiritual. Um, but she experienced a lot of hardships and was probably thought to be crazy and laughed at by people and rejected. But when she met Jesus, he delivered her of those things. She was in her right mind again and, uh, was able to follow him. Uh, became one of his disciples she gave of her own finances to him um to him and his ministry and shared the love of jesus with others And, and so she was conquering her own fears of being known and and loved and um when she had come from such a dark past and the lord delivered her of that and so um and then priscilla is another gal that i just love she is uh she was a preacher she was a preacher. She was, uh, you know, she got to know Paul um, and did ministry with Paul. Her and her husband, Aquila, did ministry with Paul. And, and so she was a preacher and an, and a teacher and uh, an evangelist. And so that was back when women did not really have a voice. And so that was a sacrifice for her to, to speak up and use that gifting that the Lord had given her. But many times in scripture, her name is actually mentioned before her husband's because she was a more gifted teacher. And that is is honored by God. He's saying, I want you to preach. I want people were coming to the Lord left and right because of her. Um, and she was a missionary. And so anyway, but there's so many women, Joanna and Lydia. And anyway, there's amazing women, um, that conquered their fears and watched God do awesome stuff in their lives. I love that. I love that, that, uh, that common denominator of conquering
0: their fears to do what the father is saying, because really Jen, gender neutrally, even like, of course that's just common denominator, regardless of everyone who makes a mark in the kingdom of God. And, um, but I just love how these stories are so diverse. Like I keep thinking about the, the Pua and, and Shifra. Shifra, how like, I remember reading that story when we were having our children because we had them all at home. And so I was looking through scripture for promises I could hold on to. And I just remember in that story, it said the Israeli women um, gave birth vigorously and and quickly or whatever, because of course they were racing against time. They didn't want the officials to hear them having birth, you know, and come in and kill the baby before they were done or whatever. Right and how the Lord even gave grace for the women to deliver vigorously and quickly, you know? Yes. And and I mean, just, but think about how those two women they're like the nurses right now, dealing with COVID, you know what I mean? They're just doing their little task in front of them. They didn't know they'd be in a Bible. They didn't know a story would be written about them. They didn't know they would be the hands that brought the deliverer of their nation. You know what I mean? But they were just faithful to do what God had put in front of them, even when it took courage and the Lord That's exactly it. right. It's just so powerful. One so, foot in front of the other one. Yes. At a time. Yeah, exactly. And now you overcame some fears to even take on this book situation. You share a little bit about your story, about how you had to overcome your own limitations to step into this.
1: Yeah. So for me, fear has always been a huge thing in my life. Um, when I was a, a little girl, um, I, I have a twin sister. So my, I've just, it's only just me and my twin and, um, and my dad and my mom, and we all had a good, uh, loving family unit. But when we would go to visit some extended family members in another state, um, we, my sister and I, experienced abuse when we were there um, by extended family members. So we stayed with, with some, I'm going to be real general, just so that I'm not, you know, making it clear who it is, but we, you know, we stayed in, in a certain person's home and then another family member who had a key would come in, in the middle of the night Mm -hmm. with his wife. And they would take my sister and I secretly um, to another location where they did really terrible things to us, to other children. Um, it was basically, they were there to uh, worship Satan. And so they, they participated in um, occultic rituals that included sexual abuse of my sister and I, mental abuse um, as well. And so um, for me, obviously that is the epitome of seeing terror and and fear and experiencing fear from the time I was young my 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 youngest memory was I was around 4 so it happened a few times um and so yeah and so basically I like a lot of people do when they experience trauma I repressed those memories until I was in in junior high middle school and um and then they came back like a flood Um, in bad dreams and, um, terrible memories and lots of fear. So it just felt like this torrent of fear overtook me uh, in middle school and junior high. So I was, I was terrified. I felt paralyzed to go anywhere, um, to leave the house. I felt like I was going to get killed or kidnapped. Um, I was terrified of bad things happening to my family because I was told that if I said anything, you know, I would be killed or my family would be killed. So there was a lot of fear there. Um, and, and, and realistically so, I mean, rightly so, there was fear. Um, and then basically when I, I had that, that a personal relationship with Jesus during that time where he was so sweet he he, and loving because I I really pushed everybody away my main things was I felt fear shame and anger so much rage and anger inside me because I just didn't know what to do with all these feelings and I pushed my sister away I pushed my parents away I didn't let anybody in Mm -hmm. except Jesus because he was so sweet and tender and knocking on the door of my heart through coming to me in dreams and and sharing his heart and his love for me there and then also just even through books like The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, you know, the, the Chronicles of Narnia, where, for those of you who don't know, Aslan, um, who's the lion, the king in that, he is actually a representation of Jesus. I mean, that was C.S. Lewis when he wrote that those books. Aslan was Jesus. And so I really experienced Jesus through those books and being able to escape, in a sense. Um, so yeah. And then in in college, basically I had an encounter with the Lord that, that turned my private you know, relationship with Jesus into a public relationship with Jesus, where the, the preacher who was preaching shared the full gospel
0: mm-hmm.
1: and said, don't just raise your hand to accept Jesus stand on your feet. And I didn't even have to make a decision. I was just up. I was standing. I mean, it with the power of the Lord. I was weeping. I mean, I could feel the Lord's presence. And it was like, he was saying, you're mine. I've called you. Um, And so that propelled me into just a deeper relationship with him, where he took me through dealing with more memories and dealing with more fear. But the, the, um, healing and the deliverance that came, came through the love of, of his church, the love of people. So people, I, I got joined in with the church, you know, really became a part of a church in college during that time. And the, and the people there just loved me to Jesus. They prayed for me. They prayed for, you know, deliverance for me, for a lot of things that I was struggling with, uh, the fear and the anger and the, the shame. And so we were able to pray through that together. So they're loving me and seeing my issues and seeing my, my pain and loving me through it anyway, showed me that love of, of Christ. Um, and that helped bring so much freedom and, and healing. And then of course, my husband, you know, when he came along, that was just that extra layer of, of being healed through somebody knowing me fully and completely and, and loving me anyway, because that was a big part of the abuse. I think a lot of people, when they, when they go through abuse, they, they struggle with feeling loved or am I valued? Um, am I dirty? Am I shameful? And So one of the key things is really coming into that personal relationship with Jesus so that we can know that we know that we are loved fully to our core, um, for who, who we are, not because of anything we've done, but because we are God's child. Mm -hmm. And so when I experienced that freedom that brought so much healing, um, and so, Freedom from fear came from just continuing to bring my heart to the Lord and trusting him, trusting other people, even with my heart, right? Um, and then when I became a mom, I just found myself in a spot where I was dealing with a lot of anxiety, like deep, deep anxiety. And I had prayed through a lot of stuff, but having kids, you feel like your heart's on your sleeve again. And so you just, your, your heart is out walking around and you're like, I love, I love these kids so much. I don't want anything to happen to them. So there were fears of that, but Mm -hmm. also just when you experience Trauma at a young age, it does um affect your hormones and your cortisol level and how everything is developing. And so it it having after birthing children, it kind of brought it brings all that back. And so anyway, my body was responding through a lot of anxiety. So I was I was feeling really trapped by that, really hard, hard to even get out of bed. I was irritable with my kids. Um, and one night, my husband he said uh, let's pray, let's pray. Let's just bring this to Jesus and let's see if he wants to speak anything to our hearts. Mm -hmm. And so we, we did, I reluctantly said, okay, like, yeah, let's, let's do it. Mm -hmm. Um, and after a couple of minutes, my husband lifts up his head and he just said, Lauren, I hear the Lord saying, he's calling you an author. Mm -hmm. And, I laughed out loud, not out of yeah. Thank you, Jesus. I receive it. No, I laughed because it was so ridiculous to me, and and
0: Sarah kind of (laughs) laughed.
1: Yes, it it was. It was absolutely impossible, and um, I was never a great writer. I was, and I could not see. I didn't have any vision to write anything. All I could do was just get out of bed barely, and so to me, it just seemed absolutely impossible. But my husband said. And this is part of that, taking those steps out of fear is he said, like, let's declare that God can do more than we think he can do. He can do the impossible. And so I said, okay, God, like, I don't see it, but you said it. And so I declare that you can do this. So that was me choosing to speak out faith, even though in my heart, I was terrified and thought it was ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So it was a year later that my daughter asked me that question in the car that propelled me into writing the book, She Rose of the Bible. And then all of a sudden I'm an author. So I didn't try to make it happen. I just had my daily yeses and it was, what is God speaking to me? What am I going to do about it? And all of a sudden he's moving me into what he spoke in the middle of my mess, in the middle of my anxiety, that I was going to be an author, that he had something bigger for me than I could ever imagine myself. Wow. That's yeah. What a so those power. were my. What a powerful
0: story. Like, because it wasn't just about making a decision to write a book. Like it was just all of your being was like, yeah, this is not going to happen.
1: <laughs> right. Right. Well, and then, so once I, yes, I make the choice to write the book. Well, then it's okay. Now people are going to read my book. Oh my goodness. Like I have to get, I have my, I have to get this out there. I have to tell people about the book and people are going to read it. So my heart is on these pages of this, of this book, you know, it's very vulnerable. And so I'm not only asking people to read it, I'm asking them to pay for it. And then I'm asking then I'm asking them to like, hey, will you let me get in front of your church and tell everybody about it? I was not a public speaker. Mm-hmm. I used to tell people, gosh, before all this, you know, people if someone would say would you rather die or do public speaking, I would rather die. Because <laughs> public people. Yes, because public speaking is terrifying to me or it was, but then You know, it's that yes at a time and he gives you the strength that you need. And I would have never seen myself on a podcast, never seen myself doing any of this, but it's those daily yeses of conquering those fears that he gets you stronger and stronger in him and his strength to do those things and to, and to um, overcome those limitations. I love
0: that. And I just keep thinking like the message that you're tapping into with your book I feel like is much bigger than you because I've seen yeah. this message stirred up in the body of Christ a lot lately. Um, yeah. particularly in the last five to 10 years, but I feel like there's been a lot more men of God, Chris Valentin, Danny Silk, um, you know, a number of them speaking up to the topic of women and redeeming women and, and restoring women and, and women are fashioned for destiny, you know, and all of this. Right. Um, and then I see even like, when we watched, did you watch the movie uh, Endgame? Yes. It's the Marvel movie where all the heroes are in it, right? Yes. Okay. Now I don't want to do a spoiler. So if you guys have (laughs) stick your fingers in your ears for a moment, but as we're watching the movie um, and it was like all the guy heroes were on the front and they were all starting to fall. You know, they were all getting like killed or maimed enough they couldn't fight. And and the thought was like, oh my gosh, our heroes are actually not gonna make it. And then out of nowhere come all the women. And yes. the women came on the scene and they just kicked butt. And I remember when I watched that scene, my spirit jumped inside of me. Yes. And I just felt like the Lord was like, this is a prophetic picture of what I'm doing in the earth right now. Not that we want men to fall at all. No. That's not what it's about. But it's about women who have been have been on reserve, I guess is the way to say it. They've been on reserve for so long, which to me is such a picture of God's redemptive nature because at creation, women were a part of what triggered the fall, but he in his redemptive nature is going to allow women to be part of what brings the restitution of the nations back to Christ, you know? And in such a heroic way. And so I feel like your message is actually really prophetic for the time. Uh, It's not just a good message. I feel like it's seasonally very, very well-timed and very appropriate. And so that's part of why I I got so excited about it. But I see the Lord just doing that in the nation's period. Yes, I agree. And of course, you see the false false parallel, which is the world in women's lib and then all this gender confusion nonsense. Absolutely. I'm like, okay, the enemy is clearly trying to screw with what God is doing. Absolutely. And so it's crazy. But I wanted to talk about even how um, we oftentimes think about impact in terms of, you know, these women are heroes and they did these great things. And we did kind of call out like the, the, the if we think about it close enough, you think about it in retrospect, their story looks so characterized. You know what I mean? Where it's like a caricature, where it's like, it's almost like blown out of proportion for what it was actually like in the moment. You know what I mean? But if you look close in the moment, their stories were actually very missable. Yes. You know what I mean? Like the women, they had no idea. I don't know if they ever knew that they brought Moses in if they delivered the deliverer, you know what I mean? And so I just wanted, wanted to even call out how, Um, We think about impact and being heroic and and making a mark on history in terms of these grand moments. But I feel like most people, we don't have a lot of those moments that come along in life to begin with. Well, we kind of have both. We have a lot of those because they're actually small, simple, faithful moments. Exactly but then we don't have a lot of them because you might only shift history once in your lifetime in a a marked way. You know what I mean? Yeah. At the same time, we're shifting history every day. So it's like this weird parallel, you know, this weird dynamic. Um, But I, I wanted to highlight something that I had read in Rick Joyner's book called The Final Quest. I shared it with you when we talked earlier. And in it, he was talking about how the Lord had taken him to heaven and was showing him what the what the earth would be like in the final in the final hours before the Lord's return, and how the enemy would operate and how the church would operate. Um, and in a part of the story, the Lord took him to heaven to show him like, Um, it really was about the humility that lives in heaven. Um, But as he was there, he was seeing all these people around the throne and how the way we live our life here and our stewardship of our life here determines how we will live through eternity. God rewards us with a role in heaven that's measured by how we managed our role in the earth. And he was, he was really blown away by the fact that when he got there and he saw all the people in heaven and he saw ministers that were well known in their time and made what we would say a big impact on the earth, right? Because they were known by many and they preached all these messages and all the things. But he was stunned by the fact that many of them were way far back from the throne because of the fact that maybe their secret life or the little things they were expected to be faithful with. They weren't faithful with, or, or the condition of their heart was, was such that much of what they did got burned up. You know what I mean? And so, but he said the people that were the closest to the father and that populated and surrounded the throne, he said, the majority of them were women, were grandmothers and were invisible people who never had a profound impact as we would define it on the earth, but they were faithful in prayer. They were faithful to do the hidden work of making disciples. They were faithful to do the invisible work that most of us would despise, but they were faithful in it. And and they were accountable to the measure that God had given them for their life. And, um, and I just, that always comforts me when I feel discouraged that I, my personality is like, I need to leave a mark. <laughs> I need to make an impact, you know, I'm a power personality. And, um, and so it can be so easy, especially in our culture of American Idol and, you know, the dream, all the, all the shows that celebrate grand talent, you know, and yeah. it can be so easy to get disillusioned that being a Shiro is actually about making a vast measurable impact when really like you're highlighting, it's really about being faithful to step beyond fear into obedience. And that may be getting up in the middle of the night to pray for people that you don't even like, you know what I mean? Exactly right. It could be raising your children when you feel like you'd rather be having a career, you know, it could be so many of these, delivering babies who would become the deliverer of God's people, you know, they were just delivering babies, you know? Um, and so I just wanted to highlight that because, because I feel like that's what your stories beautifully pull out. You highlight the magnitude of their impact, but when we look closer, we realize the logistics of their situations might not have felt so great or grand,
1: you know? Yes. Uh, well said. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so look at the next question here. If there's one thing that you would want our audience to remember today, after all that you've learned studying these women, um, hearing the heart of your daughter, walking with your daughter in that, even seeing the work that God's done in your journey personally,
1: what would you leave for my audience to meditate on? Yeah, so, you know, I was talking with a friend and she had been going through her own really difficult times and struggles and was in a recovery center. And her counselor said this to her. And when she told me this, it's just struck me. And I, and, and it, it will be a life mantra for me and, and, and maybe for your listeners. But um, he asked her, he said, what's on the other side of fear. Mm. And she thought about that. Uh, I don't know. And he said, everything you've ever wanted. Mm everything you've ever wanted is on the other side of that bully fear mm-hmm. and that's all he is is a bully and he's come to steal kill and destroy and that's what the bible tells us that our enemy has come to do but the lord has come to give us life abundant and that abundancy is on the other side of fear and sometimes we, we daily, we have to say no to that fear and to say yes to what God has for us. Because if we don't, we are missing out on the other side. And I think there's so many times that we've maybe even had our own Kairos moments. And what if I would have only just stopped and said, you know, what is God speaking to me? Okay, he's speaking to me that, you know, this question that Kaya has, my daughter, that she has for me, that she says, why are boys more important than girls? Well, what if I would have just stopped there? Mm -hmm. But I'm I'm going on to that second question and I'm saying, what are you going to do about it? Oh, yeah. And so it's, it's moving past that to, to, to in response to take action. And that's how we get on the other side of that fear to get to everything we've ever wanted. I would have never known that this would be everything I've ever wanted in my life right now, but it truly is. It is, it is fulfilling my heart's desire to get this book out into children's hands so that they know who they are in Christ. Mm -hmm. There's multiple opportunities to receive Jesus throughout the book. Um, my heart is that this goes to the nations and my first edition, I, we didn't go into that, but you know, that one did go into, to the nations. And my heart is that kids that have gone through trauma would be able to read this and go, if God did that for her, if God did that for that, she he can do that for me. If he helped her conquer her fears or conquer the hard stuff she's gone through, he can do that for me. And so the, he, my heart has come alive through God using somehow using my own testimony of abuse and trauma to tie it into the Bible. And yet it can still be so relevant to the rest of the world. That's only God, like he's brilliant. (laughs) And so, you know, he, he has given me that, that heart's desire. And I know that he has even more for me that I don't even know yet, Mm -hmm. but it's paying attention to those, those, those questions. And which I I don't want to jump ahead, but in a way, just because it, it, just that you said you know, what's something practical you were going to say, you know, practical suggestion. I kind of gave it away already, which is just that asking yourself the question, what is God? What is God saying to me? What am I going to do about it? And it's paying attention to those Kairos moments, those moments where God speaks to your heart and he, and he's, he's, it's like a lightning bolt goes off and you're like, Whoa, that really struck me. Why did that strike me? And like actually taking time to ponder through that. Yes. And go, okay, now what do you want me to do with that, God? Mm-hmm. And it could be as simple as like what you talked about, loving on your kids like daily, like when you just really are, they're getting on your nerves. <laughs> they're asking a million questions. You just kind of want to blow up at them. But then you say, God, help me to have a gracious attitude. Help me to see my kids through your eyes. Help me to have patience for them today or for your neighbor or for somebody at work that's difficult to deal with or for your husband or for whatever it is. It's God, I need you to come and I need you to help me. Um, yeah, in every, in everything. I love that. And I love that because God speaking
0: to us is always meant to bear fruit, but the fruit doesn't come until we do something about it. Right. Right. And so just like in, in Hebrews where it says faith without works is dead. And so Absolutely. you partnering, what is God saying? I was going to highlight that. So I'm glad you brought that. I'm glad you went back to it, circled it back around. Yeah. Um, but what is God saying? And now what do I need to do about it? Because that, that right there is where the rubber meets the road where many are called, but few are chosen because. Few actually ask themselves that second question, what am I going to do about this? And you decided to do something about it. And I'm so grateful that you
1: did. Thank you. Me too. And I'm grateful that my church taught on that because I wouldn't have even realized if I hadn't heard it. So hopefully we'll have some awesome Kairos moments coming from this, you know, after this broadcast where your listeners are going to start to go, okay, what, is, what God just struck my heart. What am I going to do about it? Yes, exactly. <laughs> so
0: that's like practically a life hack right there. Yes. But, but okay. So before we launch into life hacks, because we do want to get into this, um, how can people connect with you and how can they purchase your book? Cause I know I'm already thinking, oh my gosh, I need to get it already and read it to my voice. <laughs>
1: Thank you. Um, yeah, you can get it. So for those that live in America, the best way to get it in the United States is um, through my website, which is laurenlnelson.com. And so Lauren is spelled L A U R E N the letter L and then Nelson dot N.com. And um, so when you order straight on my off my website, then I send you a personal, you know, um, note um, in the book, and then I also send a personal note separate and then you get a bookmark. And so it's just a more personal experience. Um, And because it's not technically it's not available in bookstores until December the only way to get that that physical copy of the book is through me right now um but if you are abroad you know you are living outside the United States of America and you're like but I want a copy I do I do mail them it's just very expensive so to have to ship it costs a lot of money like 40 or 50 dollars just for shipping isn't that crazy? So I would recommend for now um, to go on to Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com um, and get the ebook. So the e version is available now. Um, it, uh, and uh, you can just you pay, I think it's like $8.99 and you get a digital download. Um, and you have that for yourself now. And then come December, you can get the book on any, any of your favorite book re- retailers will, will have it. That's so
0: great! I just love it. I love it. Thank you for sharing that with us. And if they want to follow you on social media, where's a great yes. place to do that?
1: Um, you can follow me on Facebook or Instagram, and I am at She Rose of the Bible. So um, She Rose is spelled S H E R O E S. Has an has an E S, yeah, because people forget the E sometimes. So okay. She Rose, like you're writing Heroes, you just put an S on the front. Okay. Yeah, at She Rose of the Bible. Perfect. And
0: what I'll do is for all you listeners, you guys know my routine by now, but if you're a, a new listener, I will throw these links and stuff into the show notes right under whatever platform you're listening to this episode. Um, just look, there should be a description underneath it. And in there, I will have show notes so that you can connect with Lauren. So you can connect with me on social media and that so you can purchase her book as well. So make sure and check that out. And you guys don't, don't go away because we have live packs coming. And so stay tuned. We're going to jump, right in. Lauren's got a great one for us. Yes. So Lauren, the episode was awesome. I loved hearing your story. Now I want to hear your life hack. What is a simple life hack
1: that has been saving your life? Oh, my life has been saved because of a Revlon Colorstay um, liquid lipstick. Okay. That's a big, long word, but basically um, I'm really pale. I'm really fair skinned. And so my, my lips have like no color. And so I feel like I look like death if I don't have color on my lips. And so I would always be trying to reapply my lipstick or reapply my lip gloss. And then I found Revlon color stay. And um, I just use that. I put it on in the morning and I've got color all day long. That's so amazing. I recommend that to everybody. <laughs> okay, so great
0: tip. Now I I use another one. I use actually Wet and Wild. It's the cat liquid catsuit, and it lasts really well. But Ooh. it does wear off in the middle of the lips. You know. Same. Okay.
1: Yeah. After a number of hours, or it kind of depends, like if you're extra like hot, you know, and like it, then it might kind of wear off a little bit. Um, but sometimes by the evening, you know, if I have something else that I'm going to, I'll take it off and put it back on again, you know, to reapply. But, um, yeah, I haven't tried that one before. The one that you said, girl, it was such a wonderful, delightful surprise. (laughs) (laughs) I love it
0: it lasts me all day but you know what the Revlon I remember discovering it but I, I got away from it because I didn't care about lipstick for a long time yeah. but I tried it in like junior high or high school so this Revlon Colorstay has been around it's
1: been around it's been around for a while which yeah. means you probably have a great abundance of color options yeah they do they do. And I, but honestly, I've been wearing it for years and years and years because it's just saved my life. But I, now that you mentioned the wet and wild one, I'm like, well, you know, I could always branch out and try and see which one I like better. There's another thing that some people sell that stays on. And I don't remember what it's called, but it kind of burned my lips. I didn't like it. Oh, I know which one you're talking about, cause I've seen people, they're like, it's day three. And yes. It's going. And it doesn't make that burning for everybody, but for some reason for me, it did. So Revlon has been my, that's my life hack. Okay, so you, I love that. That's a wonderful life hack. You guys,
0: check you out some Revlon. Revlon should actually throw you back some like uh, you know retail commissions for that. Right. <laughs>
1: Send me some
0: free lips lipstick. Right, that'd be awesome. <laughs> so I actually found this thing I want to try. It's called lip staining, but you can do it at home because they nowadays you can professionally go in and they'll inject your lips with color. And what? It's almost like a lip tattoo, but it's temporary and it'll last. Oh. Months. So now she's like, what? I need to find this out. No, I don't know. If, I don't know if that's me, but that does <laughs> sound interesting. So, well, you can do it at home. Apparently you get like the gel, um, like food coloring, like the gel stuff. It's like more, more like sturdy than just the dye. So you get the gel food coloring and then you mix it with some kind of glue. I guess any kind of glue, but I need to go back and find the video. I saw it on YouTube. And then you just mix it with the glue. You paint it onto your lips and you leave it for like 20 minutes or whatever. Wait till the glue dries. When you peel off the glue, it stains your lips and
1: it'll stay that color for a couple of days. Oh my goodness. I feel like I would ruin that. I would do something like to ruin my face. if I <laughs> tried. get it like all in the wrong place. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That was my thought process. I was like, I don't know if I'm smart enough for
0: this. I don't think I am. Okay. Well then we'll stick with Revlon. Color today. <laughs> Great life hack. So Lauren, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was so good to hear your story. And um, it just made me want to ask you even more questions, but you guys Follow Lauren online, go check out her book and throw, if you guys listen to this episode, <clears throat> do us a favor, screenshot it, throw it in your stories, tag me, tag Shiros of the Bible. Yeah. And that way both of us can repost it and see who all is catching the episode. So thank you guys for listening. Lauren, thank you for coming. And thank you we- for having me. Absolutely. And you guys, we will catch you next week. Have an awesome week. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. For those of you who've rated or shared this podcast on social media, thank you. Reading your comments and reviews always means so much to me. Listen, let's stay connected. Come follow me on Instagram at Java with Jen, where you can follow the latest and say hey. It's a really great way to stay in touch. Many of you have also asked how you can support the show. You can make donations through the Anchor app or on Patreon. Or of course, by sharing, rating, and reviewing on social media and iTunes as well. Your heartfelt feedback always reminds me why I do this. Also, we have merch coming. Stay tuned and I'll let you know when it hits the stores. Until next time, remember, you will fulfill your greatest destiny one
1: day at a time.